You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. This Friday, your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello, I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters Friday. Get tickets now. Welcome, welcome to another episode of the X-Man Podcast. I'm your host, Doc Coyle. Thank you, as always, for checking out the program. All the new listeners, I wonder if there are some new listeners. Uh, your boys had a <laughs> an interesting week since my monologue I released last week. You know, I put it on YouTube, then I posted about it, and it kind of went all over the internet. And, uh, you know gathered a lot of attention, a lot of it negative, uh, some positive attention as well, but it's not necessarily the type of intention, attention I enjoy, but you know, sometimes you have to take a principled stand and, uh, that's what I did. Got the kind of requisite backlash that comes with that. You, you get through the fire and you, you keep moving forward. Uh, but it'll be an interesting conversation as that evolves. I, I kind of did a follow-up video on my Instagram and TikTok. So if you want to check that out, you can check it out, but I'm not going to go further into it here. Uh, obviously in the last week, we've been paying attention to the news. We just had this, uh, Hamas Palestinian attack on Israel. Last I looked over 600 people were dead, thousands injured, people kidnapped, raped, um, citizens, you know, just regular people. And it's horrific. You know, there's nothing, you know, I don't think there's any two ways about it. I think we're in a, one of the ugliest political climates I think I've seen, um, where, you know, people, you know, kind of left of the aisle are, uh, validating this violence. And I think there's no reasonable way to do that. Anytime you have anything like this, especially against citizens, it's, uh, there's no validation, you know, yeah, you can go back and look at the history and go, well, this, you know, tit for tat, they did this, they did that, but I'm sorry. There's just, there's, there's no justification. It makes me think about this idea that as human beings, we are very, very comfortable with violence as long as it's justified. We love righteous violence. It's in our films. It's in our video games. Uh, it's all over, you know, internet, YouTube, you know, people love to see, you know, a bully get his ass whooped. Um, you know, a, a, a thief, they love seeing a thief get shot in the back or something. We're, we're, we love violence as long as it's justified. Um, and you know, terrorists to me are just stupid because it's like, what's going to happen to Palestine now? They're just going to get mauled, destroyed probably twice, three, four times as many people are going to die there than just died in, in Israel. 
And I know it's complex. This is not a subject I know a lot about. Um, so I don't want to speak out of, out of turn. And, uh, cause I know the people that are invested in it, you know, that, you know, I have Israeli friends that, uh, more than hits home. This is like their identity. And, uh, I understand all that. And it's a, it's a tough conversation because if you speak too much in one way, then these people are mad at you and vice versa. So, yeah, but I don't, I don't know that much about this, uh, historically, you know, so I don't, don't, I don't like to speak about things I don't have a great knowledge about, but what it does make me think about is me as a kid. I mean, I'm a a big sci-fi guy, really science fiction. And I think one of the reasons why I love science fiction was that in many ways, it was this kind of fantasy, right? About one day human beings were going to like get past all this war stuff, right? Because we know it's stupid, you know, it's just Violence begets violence begets more violence. And in all, you know, a, a lot of the uh, science fiction that I'm into, whether it's, you know, Terminator or The Matrix, things like that, you know, hum- human beings, we are the architects of our own destruction. Um, and, you know, growing up in the 90s, it's like post-Cold War. Um, you know, we have these strong alliances. It th- seems like things are moving towards peace. And then that, you know, 9-11 kind of like shatters that. Um, and then between this conflict and then Ukraine, it feels like things are really going down. And I just started watching this show called Foundation, which is based on these Isaac Asimov books from the 60s, I believe. And apparently, I didn't know this, so I feel like an ignoramus, but this this stuff was like the influence for like all the stuff that came after it. Star Wars, Star Trek, um, Dune, you know, all the, all the kind of modern... Um, sci-fi fantasy stuff and it makes me think about this show because the whole idea about this show and the, well, I should say the books or the story from the show is that this guy kind of predicts the downfall of civilization across all these galaxies and uh, that's what it makes me think about like I feel really really hopeless right now like for things to get better it's going to take a long time decades um, and it's going to get worse before that. And it's, if you're concerned, I totally get it. And if you're scared, I totally get it. And, uh, you know, uh, doing my best to try and think about all the people that are suffering right now, but I'll, I'll be honest, I've been kind of avoiding it cause it's just too, too heartbreaking, um, to consume. So that's pretty much all I have to say about that. Um, we'll see how it develops, but, uh, you know, definitely, um, feel for my, my Israeli brothers out there, what they're going through. And uh, all this death and destruction is just, I don't know what the point of it is, man. It's its heartbreaking. But anyway, we're going to get back to something a little bit sunnier. We're going to bring it back. All right. That was then. This is now. <laughs> uh, we have a band from Houston, Texas. We have a brand new song for them entitled Corroded. This band is called Chasing Yesterday. Check it out.
Greetings from Evergreen Podcasts. We're rolling out a listener survey, and we want to hear from you. The information in the survey will help us gather statistics and in turn make our shows more appealing to advertisers. I know most people don't like ads, but this is one of the only ways our shows make money and help keep their lights on. We promise it will only take a few minutes, but the impact on our podcasts will be tremendous. As a token of our appreciation, we'll randomly select one lucky participant each month to win an exclusive merchandise package from Evergreen Podcasts. Head to evergreenpodcast.com slash listener survey to help a show and possibly get some free stuff for doing so. We can't thank you enough for the support. Now back to the show. Hey everyone, this is Tuck from Fit for a King in Off-Road Minivan. Every week I bring you fun interviews alongside your favorite metalcore entertainers with my new podcast, Get Tucked. Join me every Monday with bands like Counterparts, Crystal Lake, like Moths to Flames, and many more. We play unsigned and undiscovered bands, deep dive into each artist's history, and of course provide the greatest breakdowns in current metalcore. Tune in to Get Tucked every Monday, out now through Sound Talent Media. Well, hey, friends. My name is Zach Lupiton. You may know me from the band Dust Bowl Revival, but I also host a music discovery podcast called The Show on the Road. For the last five seasons, I've been able to dive deep and have intimate chats with folks like the Lumineers, Andy DeFranco, Wolfpack, Keb Moe, Lake Street Dive, Bela Fleck, and more. So guess what? After 150 conversations with some of my favorite songwriters from around the world, we are bringing brand new episodes to the Osiris Network. New interviews and intimate acoustic performances will be coming at you this summer. And which episodes are coming next, you ask? I am Zach Goody, the lead singer for the band Smash Mouth. Our band is called Milky Chance. We are based in Berlin. My name is David Shaw. I sing and write songs with my band, The Revivalist. Trust me, these conversations go some wild places. So subscribe to the show on the road on Osiris, and we'll see you soon. So that was Chasing Yesterday with their brand new song entitled Corroded. And I forgot this band sponsored the show before so this is their second time thank you so much for sponsoring the show multiple times and you know what i love about these guys is they're proudly waving the new metal flag they self-described new metal influenced by bands like mudvayne slipknot and el nino and, and i love it they almost that one almost had some uh 40 below summer type stuff happening there i actually really enjoyed that and you know what new metal's back all right and chasing yesterday is waving the flag so this song we just heard uh, they just dropped a video for it. And the band's been around for a few years. They put out a EP, I think, in 2020 or 2022, one of those years, and kind of been slowly releasing singles, and they're doing shows around Texas. So if you want to support the band, I would go to their Facebook Facebook page, excuse me, facebook.com backslash Chasing Yesterday Official. It has their tour dates, all the links to their Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, the new video, their Shopify store, all that stuff. Tell them Doc Coyle and X-Man sent you. And if you'd like to sponsor the show, just shoot me an email at thexmanpodcast at gmail.com. Remember that is E-X or get in the DMs and we can figure it out. Uh, I have some shows opening up. We just, like I said, we have a show with uh, Tim Ripper Owens of KK's Priest, formerly Judas Priest, and we just did an episode with Mr. Nick Nocturnal, the mayor of Metalcore, as I call him, 
And I think we're going to talk to Ricky Armelino from Einstein Kills later this week. So we have some cool stuff. Hoping to do another um, one of the, what do we call it? The the symposium episodes with, uh, with the Four Horsemen. We're going to get that back together. So we got a lot of cool stuff coming up. Uh, it's fun getting back to doing the show after being on tour for so long. So anyway, with that out of the way, we have an amazing guest. I mean, legendary guest, I think at this point, Mr. Jason Hook, uh, formerly of Five Finger Death Punch, currently of Flat Black. I go way back with with Jason to like 2010, 2009, I think we met. And I think he's one of the best rock metal guitar players alive. Uh, great songwriter, you know, really involved in production and just a really nice, nice guy. I uh, got to know him a little more because Bad Wolves got to work on some tunes with him in the last couple of years out in uh, Vegas. And his new band is fucking great. You know, if you like Five Finger, you're probably really going to like Flat Black. So I'm not going to build it up too much. Let's let the conversation uh, do the talking. But I have to say the first like 15, 20 minutes, we had some connection issues. So the audio is a little spotty, but then it gets good for the remainder, like two thirds of the interview. But Please bear with me. You know, he, he's on tour right now with uh, Godsmack and I Prevail. So those ba- that backstage internet is not always the greatest. So please enjoy my conversation with the incredible, talented and handsome Mr. Jason Hook. Mr. Hook, welcome to the X-Men podcast. Doing? Finally, I know I've been, I've been, you know, I've been a little thirsty <laughs> for, for years, even, even when you were still in, uh, in, in five finger, because you're, you know, you're one of the ultimate X-Men in that, you know, you, you basically made a documentary about your history, you know, that's very directly linked to your, your history as a, you know, hired gun and touring member and all this stuff. So you're, you know, you're, you're, you're one of the big gets, but I definitely wanted to talk to you for a long time, but I feel like, you know, everything happens for a reason. And this is like the perfect time to actually right? be on the show. I mean, it kind of, it kind of does. Cause I'm happy to do all this stuff, but I prefer to do it when there's something to talk about, you know, like yeah. over the last three years, I mean, the only thing I can really talk about is pro tools and plugins and all that stuff that nobody yeah. cares about somebody cares about it i mean i don't i you could probably teach me a thing or two so (laughs) i should be listening it's my it's my uh you know it's kind of my passion i'm a studio rat yeah i've i've been your studio we've done a a few sessions together work with with bad wolves and um actually the song we worked on last is is on the record i don't know if you've said i gotta actually have to send you the record you can tell me uh tell me what you think what did what's it called um it's called well uh turn it down Turn it down. Is- it's not out okay. yet, though. It's no, not out yet. I, okay. Okay. Very good. Um, tur- okay. Turn it down. I just want to be able to make sure I can uh, find it when it becomes available. I'll just I'll send you the record. But um, no, and we that we did another song with you that's amazing. I actually, didn't make the album, but almost because it's like too good. Like we want it to be its own thing. So you know. Anyway, more to come. Enough about me. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you're you're on tour right now with uh, Flat Black. Your new band, you guys have two songs out. It's kind of crazy. You got like, you're just hitting the ground running. You're on a re- arena tour already uh, with Godsmack and I was I Prevail. Yes. I mean, how how is it? Is it, are you just having the greatest time right now? Doc, I'm the luckiest 
musician. I if if I have if I have nine lives, I think I'm on the ninth. Yeah, <laughs> I'm lucky. I'm lucky. I mean, we uh, you know, we've talked over the three year period where there wasn't much happening, and uh, I just you know I kind of have a uh, a built in shit meter where you know i don't want to talk about or release anything that's floating around here but if you yeah. if i can get it cranked up in here then it's go time and you know i i finished this uh record we, we had 16 finished masters and immediately got management and and then the record deal and everything happened immediately so mm. and then the tour so we had never played together um like in a live environment until we opened for Godsmack and Irvine at the Five Point Theater. Is it um, kind of intentional to get out there and do shows uh, before there's an album out? Or is it just kind of like you're just taking things as they come? I mean, a, a, a bit of both. I mean, the, the, the tour just came up and we were invited to be part of it so we had to like everything was focused on getting the album artwork and credits and uh everything relative to music videos everything relative to releasing a record we were on that path right and then all of a sudden the, then we said look um we submitted you guys for godsmack and they accepted so you guys are leaving in like two weeks <laughs> <laughs> so like, okay we'll forget the album artwork yeah we figure out how to be a presentable group so we went into like two weeks of uh intense rehearsals and then we uh, debuted the whole thing down in irvine it was and it's just been a, an amazing it's been an amazing thing because the whole thing has just turned you know went from zero to 100 you know yeah how's the uh blessed. how do you feel about the response to the songs and the live show and it just everything i can't complain yeah i can't complain dog i mean like you know you all you know, as you know, being in the music business, it's it's like a lot of just try and hope, try and yeah, hope. Sure. You know? And and more often than not, it doesn't go anywhere. Yeah. You know. And so, you know, I was trying and I was well, hoping. And the fact that it did connect and that people people really like the band, it's really it's more about us live, right? Because we're doing like the Van Halen trip where it's loud amps a four piece it's all real we're singing harmonies and it's it's presented like an organic um like an old school obnoxious rock and roll band you know and i think and i don't think people are used to seeing that anymore you know yeah i think uh in many ways uh it just stands out more like you look at something like um mammoth wvh like uh wolfgang van halen's band you yeah, know yeah. very similar where it's like there's an appetite for that. Like, here's just a real rock band and none of the bullshit, but you know, and, and people, people want that because it's it just, it just stands out, you know? I agree. I, and I wanted to do that. And so when you asked me about that, was it my intention to preview it live? Not really, but I wasn't afraid of it either. I think what a, what a great opportunity. Cause this never happens. It's always the album. And then you go and check it out. And I thought, this should be good enough in both environments where it should connect with people regardless of whether it's the recordings or the live, both should be equally as compelling, you know? So, and I, I had the luxury of handpicking all the guys in the band. So I, I knew we weren't going in, you know, without some heavy uh, artillery, you know? 
Absolutely. Is is there an album release date? I so far they're threatening me with uh, March. <laughs> March. Okay. March ish. March is early, early to 2024. Right. And uh, it just so happened that when we got signed, um, they said our most successful release dates typically are somewhere in October or somewhere in spring. And we're like, well, we're too close for October. So yeah. we might as well just hunker down and plan for spring. And we do have another song coming out though on the 18th. So we're sort of, you know, doing that thing where you trickle the record into the public to keep Yeah, yeah. no, no, I think it's great. And the, the songs that out right now are awesome. Um, I've been I've been listening while we're on, on rotation, re- really oh, enjoying them. No, absolutely, man. I'm really happy because, you know, because we have worked together, I got yeah. to hear some of the early material oh. and, um, you know, kind of even, you know, going back and forth, I've, you know, kind of been helpful in, you know, hooking you up with, uh, with right. Nick and, you know, we, you know, sharing, you know, Hey, singer ideas, Hey, check this I guy out. That. So, so I feel like, you know, I feel invested in, uh, the success of, of the stuff, you know, and also just being friends for so long, you know? Yeah, no, I actually, you just reminded me that, and Nick pointed that out yesterday, uh, when they heard that I was coming on the show, they were like, yeah, doc hooked up the bass player. I like, dude. I do. I I feel like I do it all the time, but it's one of my favorite things. Is just like connecting great musicians and good people because you know how it is. There's there's a lot of talent out there, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's gonna fit, you yeah. know, or that it's the right um, person for for the job. And the truthful, the truth is like having someone who can has the chops, has the look, has the professionalism. Um, can you know has can be creative and has a personality there's not that many people that are available really for each each job you know so it's like you know being able to kind of like you know so to just to be able to align uh talent with an opportunity is something i really like relish in because i want to i want to help people and i i want i want my friends to work and have good good uh good jobs in this business because there's only a handful of them well it all comes it all comes back around too like you everyone knows you you're one of those guys you remind me of like brent fitz do you know who brent fitz is no he's uh for slash uh he's a canadian like everyone knows brent fitz like everyone except for you see well (laughs) i well i met the guitar player who plays it uh in uh, Wolfgang's band that's also in Slash. I forget his name, but he was yeah, really nice. Frank. Yeah, Frank. he's awesome. So yeah, Frank Sidoris. Frank Sidoris, yeah. And eventually, you'll, if I'm looking for help with something, I can call him and he's got somebody somewhere connected, you know? Yeah. You're, you remind me of him. Awesome. You're kind of awesome. like Doc Oil, uh, here to help.com. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so, so with the new band, why like there's actually this kind of two questions a like i feel like most people in your position that have been around for a while and most people in that position they don't really want to start from square one they want to like all right let me join up with some other big names and do the kind of super group thing uh why was this more of an interesting path for you or something that was more appealing well i think um Coming off of Death Punch, I had one chance to define myself to the public outside of whatever definition I had in there, you know? 
And, and there were a handful of people that called up and said, what do you think about joining us? Yeah. And, and, and I was like, you know, I, in any other situation, I would love to, but I've got one chance to stay who I am. And that is an originator, you know? Yeah. A creative original, you know? And, uh, and it's daunting. It's daunting to come out of something that was so big and try to put something together with all the people's expectations and everyone's going to compare you and everyone's going to say, oh, it's, why would he do that? Why would he leave them? So um, it was daunting. But, you know, you get one life. You got to be very clear about what do you want? Like, and really go for it. Is, is it also a situation where previous to Five Finger, you were always the hired guy. So there were, there's not really the signature Jason hook, uh, project besides right. five finger that we can point to. So was it something like, you know, you've built all this kind of credibility up to kind of like cash in all your chips now on this? Well, look, it's all about like, um, I have a pretty good amount of self-confidence and patience. Yeah. You know, like, it would have been so easy for me to just upload stuff to Spotify looking for some kind of instant gratification. But I think that's a mistake. I think you got to just stay in doors, hibernate, build, build, evaluate, build, evaluate. And then when you, you know, when something's ready, then the world is your oyster. Like, you you know, if it works, it's a, it's a gamble. I took a gamble. Yeah. Well, it's, it's also the follow through because we've all, we've, I've, heard about so many projects that have been like we're going to be patient and then it never came out right like because whatever people right. moved on or it did they you know or like the i think the the biggest like la thing is like man we got this band together we just need a singer <laughs> it's yeah, like yeah yeah welcome to the club two years later still looking for a singer uh <laughs> you know so it's it's yeah well, I, was, I would say you start your project with the singer you don't really have a project till you have the singer i feel like half the time but you know but it worked out for you you're you're absolutely right i i had so much material written and then i hooked up with my drawing for a two like almost a two-year period that's all we did was like fly guys in audition you know interact with singers all over the world trying to find something. it's re- it's the hardest slot as you know yeah, absolutely. Because it's it's the slot that uh, a I just think there's less of those people. There's I think there's less people out there singing and and kind of preparing themselves to be the front person of a project than people I, sitting there shredding and uh, you know playing drums and stuff. I was so envious when you guys got DL. I'm like these motherfuckers, man. Because <laughs> he's awesome, you know. I was like, fuck. All right. Well, it also inspired me too. So if they could get back on their feet that quickly, then all I have to do is just keep looking. There's another one out there, you know. Yeah, and you found uh, what's his name? Is it? It's a uh, Rex. His name is Wes Horton, and we call him Rex because that's his nickname. Everyone gets a nickname. He's Rex with a W. W R E X. Rex Horton. So no, so you you were able to find basically a pretty young band. Uh, yeah. Which is like, I'm sure, you know, keeps you young, you know, just having all this, this energy and, and uh, vigor ar- ar- around you. And I'm sure, was that intentional? Oh, yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. I, I stole this trick from Alice Cooper. Yeah. <laughs> so Alice Cooper doesn't go out and rally up all his 75-year-old buddies uh, <laughs> play. He's smart. 
you know? Yeah. He, he, I mean, he's got a lot of energy, but he does surround himself with a bunch of like very young and energetic snipers, you know? Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, and, and I'm also very much into the idea of taking, like really giving people a new life. Yeah. Like, whoa, I'll pull you from and pull you into something that otherwise you wouldn't have access to that. I get off on that. Yeah. You know, like finding, finding guys that are on Instagram that drive Ubers, you know, for a living. (laughs) And then all of a sudden you pull them into this and it's like, I really get off on that. Plus, plus I find that unknown guys, younger unknown guys, they don't have weird hangups or expectations or entitlement issues or um, everything is so fresh and exciting that it keeps me you know, because this is my second time around. So uh, even though I'm thrilled to death, it, their energy and their excitement of the whole thing is infectious and helps me get through too, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I remember when you were first working on the project, I'm pretty sure wasn't it going to be called Hook or Hooked or something like yes. that? Which I thought was a horrible idea. I never wanted to call it Hook. I just thought that was terrible. Yeah. Uh, it, and, and so predictable too. Like, you know, like I, I looked at like, um, you know, when David Coverdale left Deep Purple back in 1975, he started Whitesnake, not David, not Coverdale. Yeah. And so Whitesnake has now, is still playing. Yeah. In 2023, they've had a million different people in and out of that band, but it's, he started a, a brand. And, uh, and I always, I, I wanted to have a band. I didn't want it to be all about me. I don't care. I don't know. I'm not looking to be, I don't need to be the center of attention. I just want it to be a potent band, you know? Yeah. And you can't have a potent, you can't create the perception that there's a hot new band when it's all about hook. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's a, it's a, it's a different thing. I think ultimately it's probably the smarter decision. Yeah, I think it'll, over time, I want people to get in, uh, attached to the the thing, not just leftover people that like death punch, you know? Like, Sure. Plus, I also thought the real challenge is to, and this was very deliberate, but the real challenge was to try to create something that could stand on its own feet where you could play it for somebody and they didn't need to know who I was or where I came from. They just supposed to hear it and go, whoa, what is this? That's the real challenge. Sure. Take my take my uh, history out of the equation, and try to create something that's good enough to catch people's attention on its own. So, when you're developing this project and, and writing songs, were you someone that was examining the kind of landscape of what was going on in modern music? Because, as you know, the scene keeps changing, right? Like it keeps evolving. Like what's popular, yeah. what's on the radio. Who, you know, right now we're having this big influx of like metalcore and deathcore. That's really big and really popular right now. Um, but it seems like you've settled into something that feels very in line with kind of creatively what you were doing with 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 Five Finger. Uh, and I'm saying that despite not no, having heard, ahead. you know, I'm saying that not having heard, you know, the full complement of songs. So I'm sure it kind of gets out there. But it is very like, if you were a fan of that, this is very in, in in lockstep with that but is this something you think about like how do i make a band that fits in or maybe purposely doesn't fit in with what's going on currently um i i actually don't give a fuck about fitting in i really don't i mean i'm too old I, <laughs> at this juncture um 
where I'm at in my life is that, you know, you kind of do the math. You're like, okay, well, I only have like this much left. So I think chasing a trend, I think is dangerous. You can maybe get yourself in there, the door because it's familiar and all that stuff. But how do you keep it up if it's not natural? Sure. So I think the best way to achieve longevity is do do stuff that comes naturally. And people go, well, it's, it, it sounds a little bit like death punch. Well, guess what? I was over there too. So there, it's not, you know, I'm not ripping them off. I did that stuff. Yeah. And I, this stuff, you know, so maybe you'll hear familiarities and, and I'm not trying to try take credit for death punch. That was a group effort all the way home, but I loved making the record. So I would go pretty heavy handed in like when we had a new record coming, I would woodshed for six months and try to have all my shit prepared for the first day of recording. Yeah. And so naturally I maybe got more stuff done because I just, it was what I'm passionate about. You know, I, you know, I like, I, I'm kind of a loner, like sitting at home and playing with uh, recording, you know? Yeah, no, I, I, absolutely. And it's, um, it's something, you know, I saw because I got to, you know, I knew the band when they first came out, you know, b- before you were, and I, I saw them. And to me, when you joined the band, it was like this giant step, step up. You know, I thought you brought a lot of gravitas uh, to the band and your, your sound and your tone um, and your lead playing was so distinct. And I, at the time, I didn't know uh, how instrumental you were as a, as a songwriter in the band, but that, that obviously, that obviously improved the band a lot. And you saw that kind of continue uh, through the years. But before we kind of get, get into that, um, I don't know if you really, I don't know if you want to talk about this, but considering it is the X-Man, I have to ask the question. Um, why did you ultimate, ultimately end up leaving the band? Well, it, it was a mutual decision. So, you know, just to clear the air, I didn't quit. Yeah. We, um, I, I, I never quit because of something's too hard or the workload is too much. I never give up. And like, if I'm working on something, I never quit. What happened with that was all personal stuff. Sure. And I, I have very definitive personal boundaries of what I will tolerate and what I won't tolerate on a personal level. And, uh, and I can just say that, you know, after years of sort of being my threshold being pierced, I, I was like, I can't, I just don't want to be around that. It doesn't matter how much success is attached to it. If it's, if it's, if it's, like, you know, there's a scale. There's like, okay, I'm, I'm prepared to eat. You know, nothing's 100% amazing, right? So you're trying to get everything, you know, 85% happy is maybe a realistic expectation. But, and then you sort of figure out how to manage the remainder uh, 15%. But, but if it's always clocking in around 55, 60, and then a good day is like 68, then year after year after year after that, um, isn't healthy you know it's not healthy to to be it's like going to prison and being around people that are violent and dangerous and on drugs and stuff you're just you're just you have to it's just that environment um it's extremely um unhealthy yeah and i don't want to be there and uh and that was it really you know like we i think you know i hit my threshold and they noticed that there, I was behaving 
much differently. And we decided that, you know, maybe it's not healthy for you here. And I said, it's not fucking healthy for me. It <laughs> ran its course. That's all I'll say. But, you know, um, it was it was probably coming for a while. You know, after Jeremy left the band, I was heartbroken. I just broke my heart because he and I worked on all of the music together. Yeah. And uh, so when he tapped out, he'd had enough. And so I just thought, I don't know how long I'm going to be able to hang on. Um, Because he and I were sort of like, you know, uh, 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 we were sort of like one half of the group and they were the other half of the group. And, you know, but the, the net net is. I don't carry around ill will. I don't think that's healthy either. So my sure. memories of the whole thing is positive. And uh, I've, I've talked to Ivan a few times. I mean, I, it's not healthy to, to carry around any scars like that. So the, the, and I never dished out any crap on the internet or anything. My focus is just like, okay, that well, that was that. Cool. What's next? Always plow forward, plow forward, plow forward. You can't drive a race car when you're staring out the back window complaining about the trees that were... You know, you got to fuck, you're hanging on. Let's race, you know? Yeah. I mean, listen, it's, uh, I always say with uh, bands, there's no perfect situation, you know? Like, there's always this kind of grass is greener idea when you're in a difficult situation. But yeah, there, it's very much like a relationship. Like, what are your non-negotiables, right? What are the things in terms yeah. of comp compatibility that just eventually well, don't make I, sense? Look, that, that, that band is enormously popular. And I was a big part of building that up. So um, I don't think it would be smart for me to say anything else other than it's fine. Uh, if I were to take the low road and start taking shots at them, it's only going to make me look bad. And I'm too smart to make me look bad. <laughs> yeah, listen, I'm and, you know, coming out of or I guess still to some degree being involved in a contentious split i can say it's uh i i would never choose that path on my own yeah. you know it's it's you know because a it just like you said it's it just everyone gets mud on them it doesn't help anyone it tears everyone down it just um, yeah it isn't the fans have the fans decide what they let stick to their heart right so if there's millions of global fans that love that group who am i to try to change their feelings i don't want to change their feelings i want to enhance their feelings i want them to love them go i want everyone to be happy i love them too it's just it's just i i couldn't see myself going all the way to like aerosmith age um with that kind of volatility yeah you know daily volatility is just i'm not that kind of person i'm pretty smooth you know yeah um I want to talk a little bit just about your time in the band because it's such a massive part of your your your, your legacy and just having kind of a um, vantage point of being a part of something that's successful um, that gives you just a certain kind of uh, I guess map right yeah. of like how it's done and I'm not saying you did it all but at least you were a witness to it so it's it you know the lessons probably drawn from that only a handful of people actually yeah. could say they were actually a, a, a part of that from your opinion you because know, you joined the band on the second album right um i came in for the second record right okay so they had uh way, way the fist was sort of um done internally right so yeah. kind of made that on their own on a shoestring budget and got signed and then did some touring 
And then it came time for the second record. And that's when they said, there's no way we're proceeding with the original guitar player. we got to get him out. And so they're like, I know, a, they're like, I know a guy. So I came in for the second record and rolled my sleeves up. And I, I was very clear with them and said, I don't need a job. I was working with Alice Cooper playing all over the world. Right. So I didn't, wasn't looking for another job. I made it very clear to them. I said, if I come in, I'm going to roll my sleeves up and do the work. I, I I'm going to try to knock this out of the park. So I need to be, you know, an equal guy, a band member. Yeah. yeah, band member. I don't need a job. I don't, you know, I, I exhausted that, that lifestyle. You know? And they're yeah. like, okay, fine. Was it, was that style of playing? Because if you look at your, your background, you know, I got it right here. It's like Bullet Boys, Hillary Dove, Mandy Moore, Vince Neil, right? <laughs> no, but, but I mean, listen, listen, hey, I'm, I'm respecting anyone who's, you know, out of the people that are making music, right? There's just mm. this tiny percentage of us that are actually making a living. So to me, I don't care if you're in a cover band. I don't care if you're, you know, writing, you know, making songs for cartoons, whatever. If you're making a living doing music, you're a lucky individual and you've carved out something that should be admired, in my right. opinion. So well, I, I would hope you don't have any, oh. like, you know, hangups about your Not resume. I make... Uh, I mean, I make jokes about all that stuff, but the the, the truth is, I think the bet the I I most admire people that own their history. You know, sure. I I don't like it when people go, "What was I thinking? How could I put that jacket on? I must have been out of my mind." I don't do that. You know, I own everything. Um, and and at the time, you know, I moved down to Los Angeles from Canada, right? So, so, you know, um, I'm, I went down there very intentionally to start, um, infiltrating the city and the business and get it in there and do whatever it took. Right. And I had, while I was playing with those other artists, I had my own band also working on that at the same time. I would come off tour, we do showcases and stuff. It's just, I was just hell bent, you know, hell bent. So, um, but I, I never make fun of that stuff. I had a really good time. And, and my whole philosophy is it doesn't matter what you're doing. If you choose to do something, you should go into it with the attitude that whether it makes sense to anyone else or not, do the best you can. Like knock the fucking gig out of the park. Make everyone remember, whoa, remember that guitar player? that She had the crazy guitar player. I remember I was playing in Vancouver with Hillary in some enormous arena venue and... Uh, so we're playing, and I, I can see there's Bob Rock in the front row with his kids, right? I'm like, holy fuck. And of course, I, I don't matter. But I knew there was a section of the show where I was given a solo. So I fucking shred this whole throwing the guitar and all this stuff. And and then he made his way back into the dressing room after the concert and came up and said, you're a fucking great guitar player, man. I was like, fuck, it's Bob Rock. It's sick as fuck. <laughs> and... Uh, and then I then I talked to him at Nam, maybe five years ago, and I reminded him of that. And he, he didn't remember it. Also, that's <laughs> the end of the story. Yeah, that's amazing. I'm sorry, what was the question? No, the question was, um, no, this is great. I love it. This is this is what it's all about. Yeah. The question was going into Five Finger, like considering your background, was that a style you kind of like? heard what they were doing and go, okay, I'm going to write for this. Or is it something very intuitive? Like, were you already kind of doing things in that vein? So it made sense. Um, a bit of both. 
A bit yeah. of both. Uh, you may or may not know, but I had a solo album that I did right before. Jo- I, I had a solo album I did right before joining Death Punch. I don't even know about this. I need to go check this out. Yeah, it's, uh, it's called Safety Dunce, and I did it with Jeremy. Is it all instrumental or are you singing? Well, it's all instrumental, but if you listen to that record, you go, okay, now I see how that fits because it's all dead. It's all that tight rhythm stuff. And, yeah. uh, you know, um, and Jeremy actually was playing them the record going, listen to this guy play. Yeah. And they're like, fuck, he'd be perfect. Because as you know, Death Punch is very heav- heavily rhythm oriented, you know, you know, gets fast. Right. So not only did they need somebody that could handle lead guitar, right? Because the other guitar player is not really the lead guitar player. They wanted a lead guitar player, but he had, I had to be able to cop the rhythms from the other guy, you know, like all that nasty shit. So I couldn't, I mean, I was totally into it. I thought they don't know this, but I would be the perfect asset for them because I also brought in maybe a little bit of that commercial sensibility where, yeah. You know, those guys are deeply rooted in American and European metal. And my background is more in sort of um, commercial rock. Yeah. So I thought the chocolate and the peanut butter (laughs) were perfect, you know. And let's be honest. When I joined the group, they also got Kevin Churko, the producer. Yeah. So if things took a noticeable leap up is because Kevin and I were two new components to the mix. You know, and Kevin and I see eye to eye perfectly, you know, like I'd be like, dude, this chorus sucks. He goes, I agree. I go, the outro makes a better chorus in the chorus. I go, why can't we just take the outro? And he goes, well, talk to them. (laughs) You know, that's how we kind of got things done. You know, I'd be like, fuck it. You got it. I got to look out for the song always. And that's his job, too. Right. And and I'm not knocking on them. It's just their up their history and their uh, their influences are different. Yeah, you know. Well, but but I mean, it's something you know. Anytime I have um, an artist of your kind of caliber or comes from that world, right? So I you know I have like Zach Myers from Shine Down, or I have Barry from Three Days Grace, where yeah. you, the success you guys have had, it's like I feel like you guys understand like the DNA of a hit, right? Like whatever that is. Right. right, like which, which to me is like this mysterious thing, right? It's like in the ether, like that. I'm still like I today, like I feel like songwriting to me is more mysterious now than it's ever been. Right. I'm like I don't write a song. How do I? I don't even. I didn't even know that. Uh, but well, it's, it's funny how the word hit somehow became like a bad word, you know? Yeah. And and uh, all it all it means is that a lot of people got the message. Yeah. A wide, a much wider audience received the message that you were trying to convey. Like, um, let's say, okay, like, uh, oh, I'm fucking blowing it, but like Nuki, that's oh, a hit. by by um, Limbiscuit. Limbiscuit, yeah, yeah. Or uh, you know, it doesn't have to be Taylor Swift to be a hit. Like, I think no. Redneck is a hit. No, absolutely. No, you can. I always say this. It doesn't matter the genre. Like Cannibal Corpse has hits in their scene. In their you know? scene. Right. Behemoth has hits or, um, it, you know, it could be a, a, the heaviest band out there, but they have their hits or the songs that are like the big pops in the set. The ones that right. people know all the words, the ones the mosh pit's going to get going. And Right. So like it, um, I think it, I think that 
the way I look at the word hit song, it just means that every section is as potent as the chorus. Yeah. So the intro is fucking sick and the verse is nasty and the pre-chorus is perfect and gets you ah, and then the payoff of the chorus. It's just these every it just has to count. Like um I've heard I've been in a million scenarios where I go, that section is amazing. The rest of it's dog shit. Yeah. And people, well, I disagree. Okay, well then don't work with me. You know, like well, I can only do what I do. Yeah. And and I don't and I and I don't use filters. Like I just tell people, I said, look, we can sit here and fuck around all day long, but or or you can or you can pursue some of my suggestions. And I'm not the be all and end all of what is a good, but it's the one thing I've studied since I was five, six years old. Is like what makes like when you you know, when you hand a brand new record over to somebody, I can listen to it going, I'm gonna say number five. And number nine are going to be the big songs. And then I check back in the year and those streaming numbers are way above. I did that with the, the stars born soundtrack. Now we're outside the box a little bit, but the stars born with lady Gaga. Yeah. And I said, well, we know shallow is a big one. You can tell, and they're already pushing that one. So that one's going to be massive. But as I, and all the songs on that soundtrack are amazing songs, but the one that touched me the most was a song called I'll Always Remember Us This Way, which is her on the piano. It's very intimate. It's just a gorgeous song. And I remember telling my wife, I go, I wouldn't be surprised if that's the next big one after Shallow. Mm -hmm. Go look at the numbers, right? So there is some quality. It doesn't matter what genre, but there, I believe there is something about certain songs where enough magic is put into that one song in every section, touches the nerve, those become the special songs. That's all I care about. Yeah, I want to but make it, those songs. But is it something, do you go into a session with the, in, like, I'm going to write a hit or just, I'm going to make music? No, I don't, I don't think, I don't think you, I don't think I go into it with, because the word hit is sort of open to everyone else's um, definition. I think that um, I go into it saying that I have a, I warn people, I go, I have a very high shit meter. And so if something's just not moving me, I'm going to say it. Yeah. And, uh, and it's, but it, what, what's really fun is when you get into the room with other writers that also understand that statement and speak that language, because then, then you're going, let, let's, I think we could always come back. If you have a chorus or a verse or something, that's okay. You could always use it. It doesn't mean if you try to get something better, it doesn't mean you can't use that. You can always come back to it. So that would be my, I would preface stuff like maybe there's a better pre-chorus. Maybe it needs to, like, I just, it's all in feel. It needs to kind of like sink down and go in halftime. Then we're into the chorus, you know, like, but it's all in the brain. It's not on that. It's not in the instrument at all. It's just like, how do I feel about this as it's going by? Does this, you lost me. I was in a fucking thing. So I was in a great vibe. And then you took a left turn. What is this section? Get rid of this fucking section. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's, but is that something you feel like you had that sense before you were in five fingers or is it something you cultivated kind of through trial and error? Cause it was this system, right? Where you could write something and work on something. And as soon as you released an album, you got kind of an immediate feedback on what was working and what wasn't working. Right. Yes. Well, look, you get better with practice, right? So in the previous band, I had, um, I guess seven, maybe seven albums to, to experiment with what works, what doesn't work. And 
And I, I remember talking to the label. They're like, you got any, are there going to be any songs on this record? I go, there's probably, there's one that should work. I'm pretty sure. There's another two that will probably work. The rest of it's filler. I mean, I'd just be honest. And I, I call it. talking about of, flat black? You're talking about five finger. No. <laughs> the <Okay>. finger. <laughs> but I, and I was never popular for that because people just thought I was an egomaniac and too critical and, and he likes fluffy shit music and all the excuses. If you look at this, the, the data doesn't lie. Yeah. The data doesn't lie. So you go down and you start to go, okay, I understand now why these songs are important songs, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> so let's talk about flat lap. switch. Well, no, I will, uh, but we, we, we definitely can, but uh, before I kind of get into that, one, one thing I just, and this is just more like, as me being someone who like examines the musical scene and like what gets popular and how does it work? And, and Five Finger is such an incredible case study uh, because I think the band's success, if you looked at what was going on in kind of the late aughts, right? Um, the like the idea that someone could predict a band like Five Finger Death Punch would become this massive platinum selling arena band. I think if you told me you knew that was going to happen, you're you're lying. Um, and f for me, to me, what worked about the band was yeah, no, I didn't. You didn't know. I didn't know, but I saw all of the components that were in place. Right, yeah. the branding, the imagery, Ivan, right. Yeah. Um, best friend was in the band and he and I spoke that language that we were talking about earlier. And so all the components were in place. So I thought, you know, people were asking me if I had lost my mind. Cause I quit Alice Cooper to join death punch. Right. And people were like, are you fucking crazy? I thought it had major potential, but there is no guarantee. Like you can put all of the, pieces in place and work your ass off but you can't make the public like it you just can't sure, sure. you can't control the pub so but I, but I, look i saw what was happening with that band i thought this and all the pieces are in place it's perfect um but i also thought they could use a little bit more refinement you know um in the songs and in, in the direction you know like just a, it, it worked out perfectly you know yeah, um, absolutely. But I'm saying just if you look, if you zoom out and you see what was going on at the at the time, to me, what Five Finger did was kind of fill this gap in the marketplace where people were like, "New metal's dead," right? And in my opinion, I was like, I don't think that was ever true. It just it like it became quote unquote uncool, and right. so to me, like Five Finger almost took the DNA of new metal but then combined it with what was going which, what was going on in metal at the time, like with the, the kill switches and shadows fall right. and stuff, trivium and stuff like that. Um, and then with this other kind of X factor, right? That you can't even really put your, put your finger on, but it also, but it had stuff that made sense. Like, like the band's early tours were with, with bands like Korn and yeah. Disturbed who come from that world. So it kind of took this new metal thing, but combined it with traditional metal um, yeah, and then I, this radio thing that was kind of before that didn't you didn't have metal metal bands doing radio songs, you know? Is, 
Yeah. And so, yeah. like, it almost created this new lane that, in some ways, I almost feel like Five Fingers still stands on their own. You know, like, Bad Wolves, I think, was almost like the next kind of wave of that and kind of doing so like we were doing our own thing but it was still in the in the family of that to some degree yeah. um but five fingers still this this own entity where it's fucking metal right the band is heavy it's screaming it's double bass it's fast shit and then you have this other side but it all makes sense and i feel like it kind of changed the game and it's like it's just you couldn't before the band existed, you couldn't imagine that something like that would would work. So it's just it's just fascinating to see it. From well, the I outside. remember I remember in the very beginning we would have these sort of creative meetings and we would discuss about like where do we want to go with this. And we were all in love with Kill Switch Engage. We talked about that a lot and how they would have these big choruses, you know, end of heartache and um and so we always thought that was sort of the goal. We loved Demon Hunter. We were ingesting tons of demon hunter because they had great melodic sections over a lot of like sort of aggressive sections you know yeah and so i remember if i look think back that was part of the discussion was some of those types of bands and make no mistake you know when kevin Cherko, kevin Cherko really isn't a heavy metal producer to be honest with you he's more of a pop like he could do any anything country pop i mean he's a he's just a extremely musical song oriented producer with gretzky level engineering chops yeah and a multi-million dollar studio at his disposal <laughs> so you know make no mistake kevin took all that coarse approach and refined it down into something that was you know very in a nice polished package uh, but I just want to talk to you a little bit about guitar playing. You're a guitar player. Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but I'm, I'm, you know, I don't know how many people know this. Probably not many people know this. Is that I almost filled in for you a couple times. Yeah. Um, and I was kind of the understudy, um, you know, going back, you know, some some years ago. So I have kind of a interesting vantage point into like being able to examine. A lot of your playing you know and trying to kind of get yeah, i guess so in your head a little you know and i've, I've done that a, a lot a lot of fill-in gigs and, and and things like that but you know one of the things that struck me about the five finger stuff learning it was the riffs and the music was very simple and then the solos were fucking hard and <laughs> it was like this big leap like this it's like over here it's like meat and potatoes and over here it's like you know bach <laughs> and <laughs> you know well, and I, was, I forgot about that whole thing yeah for, for it was a anyone, long time ago it's like 10 it years a ago. Long time ago yeah for for the, the story goes so my father was on his last legs in a hospice situation right and i was freaking out because when you're in death punch i mean it never stops it's just go 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 all the time and i thought how is this going to work if he's if i need to go and see him to say goodbye or whatever I need to have somebody cover me because they're not going to cancel shows for that. Right. And that's where that whole thing originated is. I just said, I said, doc, I need your help. Can you please help me and start learning these songs and I'll help in any way I can, just in case I have to bolt in the middle of the night or something, you know? And uh, it was funny because flash four years later, when I had that gallbladder attack on tour, yeah. 
I'm in my bunk. I can barely fucking talk. And I'm like, get Doc to do it. He knows what to do. <laughs> well, even it's funny. I, cause I hadn't played you know that stuff in forever. And I was like, all right, can you, can you rehash these songs, but also learn these other eight in like a day? And I'm like, yeah, I can do it. And I was like, I probably would have embarrassed myself. It, it probably would, would have not been good. And, and then, hello, how, how are you? Sitting up, get a little twirl. Give a little twirl for the audience. Here. No, twirl, no twirl. <laughs> it, it would be the first twirl in X Men history. I know, but she didn't want to twirl. So. It's all right. That's all right. No, 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 no worries. Um, but no, but but getting um, kind of be able to learn your vibe and your your style. And what one thing I noticed, you know, even before you know uh, trying to learn this stuff, is you have some of the cleanest technique I've mm. ever heard. And you're also you're not someone who plays with like this overwhelming amount of gain like oh. you're pretty controlled um and you're you're you play with a lot of clarity um well thanks. where did that come from is that like were you did you get lessons or were you following certain players or trying to emulate something or is that kind of just from your uh, own taste well look um i started playing at an ex a very young age six years old i started oh playing my guitar. god and for a very long time, all I had was an acoustic guitar. And I think the, the the really good guitar players make it all happen with their hands. They don't need amps and gains and pedals and stuff. I mean, if you really have a good handle on that instrument, you should be able to play the same stuff on acoustic electric. It's all in the technique, right? Yeah. The only thing that maybe you're noticing is that I just had, a, I just had an incredible head start. Like I've been playing guitar... I don't want to say how old I am, even though today is my birthday, Doc. Happy birthday again. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> um, I, I, it's just years and years and years of trying to make it better. So when you were six, were you just playing on your own or did you get lessons? I had a private, I had a private teacher that would come to the house uh, once a week. And I did that for about five, six years. And it was amazing. And he's amazing. And... Uh, and that was it but i had bands dude like i had bands when i was eight i had a band <laughs> i'm not even kidding any video footage of that i want to see that i probably have a photo I, i'll send you over a photo if you have any way of including a photo just but i yeah i was i put bands i was hated because i my parents bought all the gear so we had drums and bass and guitars and everything right and I would, I would say, who's coming to practice today? And they're like, oh, man, they want to go play Dungeons and Dragons back then was the big thing. So they would be like, yeah, yeah, we'll be over there at so-and-so o'clock. And they'd never show up. And I'd be so angry. I'm like, we have to rehearse. That's amazing. Um, but as far as, you know, but I'm saying the, the cleanness, of, like the, the cleanness of your technique is something. And Because the way I would learn stuff, and I'm, I have a much more advanced system of learning music now. But I would like for a lot of your stuff. I would um, I would actually listen to the live recordings, you know, okay. because because I know yeah. you would you would record stuff in yeah. with in a D guitar for yeah. B tuning, and so you would be hitting on the record. You'd be hitting these high notes yeah. that you couldn't hit on a B guitar. So like you would do it slightly different in the in the in the uh, live stuff. But I would I would slow stuff down to like tab it, and I was like, man, this motherfucker, every note just clean like. Were there like, are there players that you were fans of that you were trying to emulate? Like who who are your like 
top three of three to five people that when you were learning guitar, you were like, I want to be like that guy. Oh, or um, well, it was Richie Blackmore, Eddie Van Halen, Ace Freely, Neil Sean, and probably a few others. But um, I like I'm perfection. I'm a perfectionist, right? So yeah. I don't want anything sloppy. I want I don't want to hear every I want to hear that articulation, you know? Yeah. It's something it's, so I, I, it's in my head, you know, like I sloppy guitar players, as you I'm sure uh you've heard sloppy guitar players. Not yeah, this this mm-hmm. guy, like I I have like the big I have the biggest case of like imposter syndrome ever where I'm like, I'm like, that guy <laughs> thinks I could play his stuff. I'm like, somehow I've, I've tricked the world. This is a, this is an, an, an incredible to me, but you actually learning your material. You taught me something that should have been obvious and intuitive, but I did not actually make sense to me is like, so like I, when I learned alternate picking, it was from this uh, Paul Gilbert video. It was like do 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 right. This um this this one exercise, and the way that was, it was three note patterns right on each string. Do 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 do, and then what I noticed about your runs is they were four notes. Better 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 right. And I'm like yes, because we're playing in four, and these groupings are sixteen. I'm like all this time I probably should have been playing four four note groupings but you do that a lot and i've like still like i don't really do it great but it like actually changed my playing forever learning oh, yeah. your, your 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 stuff and thinking think about things in those because it's a way of like basically like you would do these runs where you go down the scale but yeah. just you know four notes at a time in one, one interval of time you know do them quick and clean and it's like it's also a great way of like running your your modes you know I don't know anything about modes. Really? You took all those lessons? No? Yes, I did. But honest to God, we were learning um, from fucking Mel Bay books like Delta Dawn. You know, (laughs) I mean, that's the kind of shit I was doing. And we weren't talking about modes. I took lessons actually a few years ago uh, from uh, Bruce Buley. Bruce Buley used to be in Racer X. He's losing this. He how was, long ago was this he was uh how long ago i don't know 2020 2020? oh wow you're still t- I, wow that's that's amazing there's balloons and stuff flying up at virtually is that are people chiming in <laughs> i don't know i have no idea what that is <laughs> anyway do you remember racer x with paul gilbert back yeah, in the LA? absolutely. yeah bruce was the other guitar player in racer x so he's a fucking Super incredible shredder and I thought, you know, I haven't taken lessons in decades. I thought, you know, when I have some time, I took piano lessons. I took a guitar, guitar lessons. And I, and he was trying to teach me the modes. I'm like, okay, I understand the modes, but I just don't care. Everything I do is just, it's, it's improvised, you know, yeah, but, you, act, but you have, to, yeah, but you clearly, you have like a mapping of, you know, where things are and what, you know, you know, it sounds musical and you know, it sounds melodic and. Hooky. Just from just from years of repeating it. It's like if somebody asked me to go up and jam, I will cover my like four to five hot licks and then I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not that impressive. You know? got, no, that's not true. You added stuff like that was the other thing is that I noticed like like the songs when I was learning them, it's like 
there were, you know, out of those, there was probably like four or five solos that were really challenging. But a lot of it I felt was in my wheelhouse. And then it seemed like each record, you just got faster and crazier. And then there's the one that one lick in Jekyll and Hyde where it's like the uh, is yeah. it chicken picking or some kind of thing you're doing? It's some like thing you're do you're like yeah, doing this thing, dude. That's I'm like so you you were clearly adding things to your repertoire. Yeah, you know, and the, what's the what's the uh, one song off off the the last album you did? Um, uh, oh man, the, the 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 first single, the first song, Inside you, Out. Inside Out, fucking shredding solo. I'm like, fuck this guy. <laughs> you know, it's funny, like. That guitar solo almost broke up the band. Why? Um, because there were certain people that hated it. Dude, I, that's I, well, that's disappointing because it's it's a it's a super shredder, great song. Like when you guys came out, I was like, damn man, these guys just. Dude, I remember I noticed. So we were on tour with you guys in Europe. It was the last tour we did with Tommy. It was the last tour we did before the the pandemic. And um, I remember you were um, actually, were you even on that tour? What am I talking about? Which tour was this? So I'm thinking, no, no, this was, or this was, I'm trying to remember, because I, what I kind of forget is like, we were there, we toured with you guys basically yeah. for like a year straight or whatever, two years yeah. straight, it seemed like. So I was there when you were like there and not there and coming in and out. But I remember when the song came out, it was like the song came out. And like two weeks later, the band was playing on stage, and it was it was like already a hit immediately. I'm like I'm like man, I never seen that, but it's just anyway, it's such a great song. Um, well, I don't know I don't know where we, I was going with that. <laughs> um, that's one of the I'm really proud of that song because it's aggressive and it's also hooky. Yeah. And uh, if I had a guitar here, the first the first thing I wrote from that track was the breakdown. Yeah. You know the big still of the night fucking ethereal middle section of that song. Yeah. That was the first part I wrote. I had those chords, but which turned into oh, it turned me inside out. You know, yeah. I just that I was pivoting between those two weird. They were like jazzy chords, right? Anyway, uh, you know, Ivan was always my strongest supporter. He yeah. was always, I fucking love this. This is amazing. Blah 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 blah. And uh, and, and on a creative level, he and I got along really well. Um, and he's an incredible talent and a, and a very creative guy. But he understood what I was going for always, you know. And he was like, "Give him, like, leave him alone. Let him just fucking pursue this idea," you know. He was always really cool that way. And uh, he liked the solo for Inside Out. Just let the record show. But <laughs> dude, it's it's great. But I'm, but what, but my general point of that was that you do seem to be someone who is constantly pushing what you do and expanding yeah. and not just kind of staying in the same lane as a, as a player and like really like giving yourself new challenges. Well, I think as you get onto like album five, six, seven, eight or whatever, you can't just keep doing the same shit. Yeah. But for me, a lot of my solos just come from improvising. So you're never really going to get the same patterns or anything. I'm just, I literally w would take the section and I would just loop record 50 takes right some of them are fucking horrible some of them are out of time some of them hit a bad note but i'm listening i just play i just play it play it play it play it play it and then i go ooh take 15 had an incredible opening yeah so i'm gonna keep that and then play some more and then i'm like ooh that ending's great but that last note is shit 
So I would punch in, go to the last note up there and I would piece it together like that. Um, so that the whole thing sort of made sense as a beginning, a middle and an end. So it's like a little miniature package that you get yeah. to enjoy inside of this other bigger package, you know? So I always pro- approach the solos. Like I'm trying to build the experience. It's not just noodly, noodly, noodly good enough. It's constructed. So it has, it grabs you, pulls you in, takes you on maybe a little rhythmical thing or, and then into a melodic section and a shred on the way out or whatever. It's all supposed to fit and make sense. If like, if you were to pluck it out of the song, it should make sense on its own. Yeah. Well, well, the, work the, the, well, the, the, but the thing that always struck me about your playing was how melodic you are, you know, is that, you know, you're just a very melodic player and that's like, you know, like slash is my favorite guitar player. And it's like, he's not the most technical player, but his, he has yep. some of the best melodies ever. Well, I think that that may have come from Neil Sean, Neil Sean from Journey. Um, I mean, he's one of my favorite. I mean, this guy, he's a melodic Zeus, you know, when I mean, it comes to guitar playing, he's, he's number one, you know, and, uh, and he can tread too, but he knows when to slow down and make it count. And I always thought that that was really important. Same thing with Ace Freely, you know, Ace Freely, I think was sort of limited by his, uh, ability and had to make things melodic because he didn't have like super fiery chops or anything. He had to plan out these sort of little miniature melodic moments, you know? Yeah. And that's why I loved his solos because you could remember them, you know? Yeah. Um, another thing that really stands out to me about your playing is you have a very unique way of bending. Yes. I've, I've noticed like, it's like kind of like, and you do this thing where, it seems like sometimes you bend up to a note, but then you like won't do vibrato. It's almost it almost like it hangs like right on the note, but then when you do vibrato, it's like very intentional. Like you figure like it's this it's this very cool thing, but you also and this is something I remember I was talking to the guitar player Carl from Nile years ago where he was just like talking about bending in key. And it seemed like you it's something you do perfectly every time as you you bend, it's always perfectly in in key. I'm blushing. <laughs> here's the thing. What I started doing now, or I started doing, is I'll, I'm creating melodies that are only bend. So I'll bend to a bend, back to yeah. a bend, you know? <laughs> so people are like, where the fuck is he playing that? Yeah. Because instead of going like fretted, 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 bend, I'll go bend, bend, fretted, fretted, bend, bend. You know, like I'm fucking playing around with bends yeah but that's i mean i think it's like having a quote-unquote sound right like like that's the thing i think most of us are trying to do and i guess to some degree there's no way around it right like you sound like you i sound like me and everyone sounds like everyone um but it's you know that to me is the one like you obviously have your licks but the way you just bend into a note and it's like and along with your tone it's just like that's jason and it's recognizable from a hundred yards away. Well, I, 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 you know, I appreciate that. That means a lot to me because I always thought that it's very difficult to establish an identifiable sound. There's a billion guitar players out there. So how do you, the only thing I have is I just have way more miles on my odometer. Like I'm, you know, 120 years old and I've been fucking doing it so many years that, that you just 
you know, you do something enough, you're going to have an, some sort of individuality to it, I guess. Yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah. Well, 100 years old, I, and you, you look younger than me, so I want to know, <laughs> do you have a blood boy? Yeah. What are we doing? Is it is it steroids? Is it celery? What is the secret to, and I, I know you don't drink anymore, so that probably, you know, keeps you young. Yes. Like, um, I don't fuck with, there's no cigarettes or alcohol or anything like that. I think all that stuff, look. What's, what's your vice? Do you have a vice? Oh yeah, sugar. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Sugar. But what? What should? What's the snack? Is it cookies? Is it ice cream? Is it cake? Pie? Uh, um, it's cookies, ice cream, All cake, pie. <laughs> what else did you mention? Donuts. Donuts. <laughs> are you a donut yeah. enthusiast? I'm a donut enthusiast. Do donuts are very dangerous because it's literally complex carb boiled in grease covered in sugar i mean there's no nutritional value in a donut matter of fact if you were to look statistically the top five worst things you can put in your body <laughs> i honestly god i'm not even kidding i think donut was number one yeah it's like having it's like if crack was legal and there was a crack shop on every corner uh, <laughs> it's it's like eating well whatever it doesn't matter they taste wonderful i love them and every yeah. time i go to canada the first thing i do when I get off, that's right boom First thing I do is go right to Tim Hortons, get a, a, a glazed chocolate cake donut and a double double. Double coffee. do the double double, man. You know who hit me to the double double? It's Art Cruz, who plays in drums and Lamb of God. He's like, yo, because he lived in Toronto okay. for, for a little bit. Right. He's like, he's like, you get a double double. And I was like, all right, and I got it. Hits hits me right. It's almost like a caffeinated milkshake. It's not really No, I know. Dude, I'm well, I'm from New Jersey, so we're rich. like we're like Dunkin' Donuts people down there. So you get a you get a, a Dunkin' Donuts in the, in the hood. It's like you know, ninety percent sugar. So you gotta. <laughs> yeah, it's to be used in moderation, as they say, with all things that are bad for us. Absolutely. Um, but yes, I the, the you know look the thing is, I'm very blessed. I've had some fucking great stuff happen to me. So the the mission now is to is longevity. Like you know, you got to make sure that you're healthy absolutely. enough to do all this cool stuff absolutely you know? absolutely well, well listen i i'm not going to keep you any any longer I, i've covered pretty much everything i want to i want to thank you for taking your time to be on here uh it's been so much fun i get to be a nerd and ask you all the things i wanted to ask for forever that <laughs> i feel too embarrassed to ask when we're just hanging out or, or working on, on on music and stuff but i'm telling you why i'm while i'm here i'm saying we got to make the bad wolves flat black tour yeah, happen you know yeah, of, of course like the, the fortune thing is that i do have some really good close friends in a lot of these bands and we were talking about babbles well we first of all legend never legends never die is on the freaking radio every nine seconds so congratulations good. you're clocking oh, you. us <laughs> <laughs> uh it's a great song and uh and uh and i would love to package yeah, well, we we have some shows coming up after the Bush tour. I was like, I put your guys' name at the top of the list. I'm like, see, just a couple like West Coast shows. I'm like, they're not busy. Yeah, then do do a few no. shows with us. Um, but you know, we're looking to do stuff early next year. But it's like, I feel like we're one of these bands where there's only a handful of bands that make sense, and you guys are like, right, we're like the perfect yeah. alliance. Well, thank you, and I hope we can tour together. I would love to tour with you guys. Um. Like I'm pretty much friends with your entire group, you know. Like DL still hits me, texts me, you know. Awesome. It's cool. I like it. Um, but uh, I would love to do that. But I also agree with you as far as like 
the same packages have been circulating for so long. There isn't that much newness to anything. They just re, you know, the same band. So maybe in a fortunate way, we're, we're something that fits that's hasn't been out there yet. Well, I'm sure, listen, if, if you keep getting the arena offers, I don't know if you'll be around <laughs> with us. It's like, Hey, we're going to be on the moon with uh, avenged, <laughs> avenged and Metallica or something. And <laughs> you know what? The, the truth is we're just happy to be playing. That yeah. is the honest to God truth. I mean, we're this is dream come true stuff, but this isn't real. This tour, this tour was a gift, yeah. right? Normally, we'd be playing Jack Sugar Shack or fucking, you know, the Super Bowl or not the Super Bowl, like the bowling alley, the yeah. Super Bowling <laughs> Alley. You know what I mean? Like it's this isn't way, way it's supposed to work. So we're very aware that this is not typical. Hey, but enjoy it. I mean, basically, basically, it's what Five Finger did for Bad Wolves and brought us out to the not real world exactly. for, a, for a long time. We got to uh, get uh, fat and happy off the backs of uh, you you lovely gentlemen. So I, I always appreciate that anytime, you know, um, you know, I got to do some shows with Five Finger with Metallica with Ice Nine not too long ago. And, you know, for me, the gratitude will never go away because I would not be where I'm at without um, you guys bringing us out and, and, you know, just introducing us to your fan base. It's been incredible. And, you know, and I've, you know, it's a weird thing when like bands split and like these people go this way and I'm always, you know, I'm friends with everyone and I want everyone to get along, but I, you know, so I, I do the show and I'm like, I hope this person isn't mad at me that I'm talking to this person. You know, it's always like a weird thing, but uh, but I, I really want everyone to win and I feel like there's room for every everyone to win, you know? I think that's that the healthiest attitude and you and I are very similar in that respect that, that I've had so much... Uh, so many blessings with everything that I've gone through that I honestly get off on um, helping other people, you know? Absolutely. I love that. You know, I mean, it gives you a feeling that you can't buy, you know, just, just to be cool. And then you get sort of known as, Oh, he's the cool. He's that's a cool guy. Right. And that's Absolutely. important to me. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, listen, brother, have a great time on the rest of the tour. Good luck with, uh, I know the album's not come out till next year, but the new songs and the videos, and we will be in touch. My people will call your people. Let's do some, let's do some shows. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. Any time, doc, I'm, I'm happy to be here to talk to you on your show. And if you ever want me on the show again, I'll do it again. Not a big deal. Just, uh, you know, call me when like we're off in November. Let's chat. That sounds good. You be good, brother. Yeah. Take care. Thank Thanks bud. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
So you just heard It's Your Lack of Respect by Flat Black. I feel like that phrase, like you want to go fat back or <laughs> fat black or, you know, the the L's, you know, kind of, you kind of get tripped up on it. But uh, I think that song is great. It sounds great. Uh, that hook, man, it gets stuck with you. That you, You'll be singing that uh, in no time. And they have another track out, another video. And they were saying they have another song coming soon. So huge thanks to Jason for, for taking his time because, you know, I've been, I've been searching that dude for a long time to get on the show and it was amazing. You know, I, I did my magic with the editing to make it feel seamless and all the technical issues for the most part, I, I think were, are not present in the, in the interview. So I'm, I'm glad it, it turned out really, really well. So it's a lot of fun, a lot of fun. And, you know, the best thing about the show is I get to have these people on that I admire and ask all the questions I want to know, especially the guitar nerd stuff and get into that stuff. So thank you, Jason. Good luck to the band. Uh, and yeah, I, I really hope Bad Wolves and Flat Black can do some shows together because I think it would be a great pairing of of artists and it'd be amazing. So anyway, it's, uh, it's so funny. I started working on this early in the day and then the day got away from me. Now it's late. <laughs> And I was like, I was doing pretty good. And I went, went on a walk with my dog and I started getting like anxiety. And I think I'm just, I think I'm overworking myself. Um, I get into like album mode and it's, and especially now in the social media time where I feel like my job is kind of uh, social media and 
content creation and just everything's marketing and getting, you know, getting things out there and, and it can be overwhelming, you know, because if you know you post something like, all right, this is going to penetrate and then it doesn't do what you want and you get, you get this, I don't know. And I'm sure everyone who's like in the content creator uh, field feels that way where it's you, you expect these kind of like uh, validation from that stuff. And, uh, and I was like, you know what? I think I need to just put a break on things for a little bit. Not, not that I'm going to stop. I have a bunch of work I have to get done, but just not get so invested in it. You know, remember you do what you can do, but don't, don't kill yourself. I think I was killing myself a little bit. And then you, you start getting invested in results and not process, you know, got to catch yourself process. That's everything. So just a quick little reminder to myself of, uh, let's put the grind in. I'm, I've literally been, I think I took like the week off, uh, when I got home. And then after that, it's been pretty much full on. And sometimes words wonder, I'm like, am I overexposing myself? Am I, am I just, is there too much DOC out there? And you know, sometimes you worry about that. Um, oh, by the way, I also announced that I'm going to be performing at metal allegiance 10, on January 25th, 2024 in Anaheim, California at the House of Blues. And it's out of control. It's like, you know, Mark Mengi who runs the damn thing. We've got Dave Ellison. We've got Mike Portnoy, Alex Skolnick, Chuck Billy, Bobby Blitz, Gary Holt, uh, Andreas Kisser. I'm sure I'm forgetting people. (laughs) Uh, John Bush. I mean, this is like... This doesn't really make sense. These are all the people I listened to when I was a kid and somehow I got the invite. So I'm going to do everything I can not to uh, fall on my face and do them all proud. But this is definitely a big uh, notch on the belt for me because, you know, you want to move forward and kind of get recognized in in circles of the top uh, people in the field. And, And these people, I don't even feel like they are peers because they've were you know, I was watching their music videos and buying their albums when I was in high school. <laughs> so it's, it's a bug out. Um, and it's kind of cool. I kind of thought about it. I'm like, probably one of the only people in the metal world that has a foot in this new school world, you know, kind of what Bad Wolves does. And even with Ice Nine Kills, who has even a younger audience and kind of gets to do that stuff. And then I have this big foot in the kind of traditional metal world, you know, doing things like this, playing with, uh, the wedding band and Metallica guys. I don't know if there's anyone that I can think of that, that does the kind of diversity of gigs and kind of steps in all these different cultures. And I guess I'm kind of the bridge between classic and, and modern metal. And that's really interesting. Uh, and I'm, I'm proud of it because I, I love it all. You know, at the end of the day, I'm an old school kind of thrash metal guitar player. And, uh, you know, but I'm, you know, that type of guy that you always want to stay relevant. You always want to know what's happening. You want to, you know, change with the times, you know, uh, to, to some degree. But also, as Jason said, I thought brilliantly and, and very wise is, you know, you can't, you got to be yourself. So I thought that was, that's the clip, actually clip I'm going to use for promo. But I, I thought that was very poignant. And he had a lot of poignant things to say. So and that's one of the best things about doing this show is you get that little, little knowledge if you actually pay attention uh you listen enough 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 of these interviews and you're gonna glean on some of the pathways that make sense from an educational standpoint so that's very exciting but all right i'm gonna take off thank you guys as always for checking out the show 
please rate and review. I never tell people to do that. I probably should. I don't even know what my ratings and reviews look like these days. I was so busy with the tour. I've barely been paying attention, but we're getting back on it. Uh, but I'm happy with the audience I have and, and people appreciate the show and I appreciate you. So enjoy the evening and day and mama's out. The Helping Friendly Podcast explores the music and fan experience of fish through interviews and deep dives on shows and tours. For more than 10 years, we've created insightful and fun discussions about our favorite band, and with the help of our guests and thematic series, we're still discovering new angles of appreciation for fish. And when the band is on tour, we provide a review of every show the following day. As one of our listeners said, any fish fans that enjoy meandering conversations and incredible insight on new and old fish shows, this is for you. Highly recommend. It's not just about the band and the shows, it's about the journey getting there. Throughout 2024, we're going to be running down the top 25 fish tours of all time, and that'll be interspersed with show reviews and regular episodes. Join us and check out the Helping Friendly Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.